Pride. Pride. It's also a sin that you don't hear preached against very much. And yet, through the Scripture, I went through every instance in our New Testament where the term boasting was used. Believe it or not, it was almost three pages of verses that dealt with boasting. And a good portion of them were negative. And so this is how prevalent this sin is uh, here in our life. And in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 through verse 24, perhaps one of the shortest sermons, as it were, here in the book of Jeremiah, says, Thus saith the Lord, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. And so you can easily see here in this passage that the majority of the passage is dealing with human pride. A man may boast of his wisdom, right? And a man may boast of his might. And a man might boast of his riches, but we're not to do that, right? And of course, if the Lord says don't do it, there's probably some sense there where we really have a propensity to do exactly what he's telling us not to do. So there is a negative in boasting in human wisdom, human might, and human wealth, but there is also a positive aspect to boasting. In other words, there is a righteous boasting. And in verse 24 he says, Let him who boasts, boast of this, that he understands and knows me. That would be a good thing to boast in. Why is that? Because the only way that you can know the Lord is if the Lord, what? Reveals himself to you, right? In other words, you're not going to get this knowledge of the Lord by human wisdom. And that's plain to see. There are tens of thousands of lost liberal theologians who spend their whole lives studying the Bible and they do not know the Lord. So can you study your Bible and not know the Lord? Well, the answer to that is yes. They don't believe the miracles. They don't believe Jesus is the Son of God. And yet, every day of their life, they're either having thoughts about the Bible or reinterpreting the Bible, but their life is all surrounded around the Bible and they teach in theological liberal schools. And so here we have the evidence of human pride and the evidence of human pride comes through what organ of our body? It comes through our tongue, doesn't it? Now, yes, it's in our thoughts and it's in our heart, but out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so it is our tongue that is the problem and is also the evidence of the human pride that we have. Proverbs 13 and verse 10, and what I've done is I've taken that verse and there's some controversy about uh, translation of it, 
but I've taken the King James and the New American Standard and kind of brought them together because I think it does give the good sense of this passage. But Proverbs 13 and verse 10 says this, Only by pride comes contention, but wisdom is with those who receive counsel. And again, we can read that passage and we can just sit here and say to ourselves, all right, what are one of the ways that I can tell that I, at a particular moment, I am walking in pride? Well, if someone comes and gives you biblical counsel and you contend against it, you argue against it, you say, well, that doesn't apply to me, or here's 18 reasons why I don't have to do that. Where is all that coming from? It's coming from pride. Listen to the passage again. Only by pride comes contention, but wisdom is with those who receive counsel. So you have the opposite going on, the antithetical statement there within that wisdom proverb. We really do have a problem with pride. And pride is something that comes from our heart. It's an attitude. Sometimes we would use the word, they're arrogant. Pride, if it's persisted in, causes a hard face. Pride causes someone to be unapproachable in conversation about things. Why? Because they're going to react against it. And so pride and boasting goes hand in hand. And just like I mentioned last Wednesday, we ourselves express pride not even knowing we are. That's an amazing thing. Now in the New Testament, as I mentioned earlier, if you go and do a search on that Greek term that's translated boast in the New Testament, you will find almost three pages, probably two and a half to three pages of verses concerning this. And I broke them up into two categories. Those that refer to lost people and those, who were, those that refer to believers. And if you want these verses, <clears throat> I can give them to you. I'm going to go through these very rapidly, and then we're going to settle in and look at the New Testament book that deals with this the most. But when we're talking about lost people, we're talking about people, whether they're pagan or religious. In Romans chapter 2, verses 17 and verse 23, Paul mentions that religious people rely on moral law or they rely on laws coming from their own conscience. Society calls that your personal values. Everybody hear that term? Your personal values. That would be the work of the law inside that person's conscience. And that will vary from person to person depending on the sensitivity of their conscience and how much their conscience has been instructed by the Word of God. There was a day in our nation where a good portion of our nation, though they were lost, did have the influence of biblical instruction. That day is rapidly what? 
That's rapidly going away, if not already gone. You can't assume when you talk to someone anymore that they have biblical understanding or framework around what you're trying to give to them. But religious people, those who in in context of Romans 2, it's the Jew, but religious people who are either relying on the law, that is, we could just say the Ten Commandments, or they're relying on the work of the law in their conscience, talking about human values, Paul writes that they do boast in God, but here's the interesting thing about it. They boast in God based on their keeping that moral law or their conscience, and yet Paul says they break the law. And even though they're boasting in God, they're breaking the law or they're breaking their conscience, and in doing that, they dishonor God. So are they boasting in God? Yes, but their life what? Their life dishonors God, even though they are religious. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 13, the Judaizers, one of the things that the Judaizers wanted the Galatians to submit to in the Mosaic law was circumcision. And Paul says this, those Judaizers desire physical circumcision in your life so that they can boast in the flesh. So we can walk away from this. Are there people who are religious and their whole religious concept or their whole religious standard involves things of the flesh, things of appearance, things that they can do themselves? Yes or no? Yes, it could be their particular thoughts on a right translation. There could be their particular thoughts on what church to go to. It could be their particular thoughts about passing out tracts. Could be their particular thoughts about dressing a certain way, acting a certain way, having a certain style of music. All those things are things that can be duplicated by what? By the flesh. But what they don't do is guard their inner man. So they'll say to themselves, well, I dress right, I look right, I talk right, I got the terminology, I'm carrying my Bible, I'm reading it, I'm doing this schedule, I got all these external things that I can do by my own self-discipline, but in their heart, that, that heart is black, like a dead man's tomb. Can you beautify a tomb? You can beautify a tomb. But when you open that tomb, there's stench and rot and corruption, right? And there's those who do that. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 9, which we'll be talking about again, Lord willing, this Lord's Day, is that whether they are pagan or whether they are religious, lost people fail to realize that salvation is not a result of works. Why? Because if it was of works, they would what? They would boast. And folks, I've told you this before, but it's real easy to perhaps, or not with absolute certainty, but you could, you could get within the bullseye, is when you ask someone, you know, are you saved? And they say yes, and then they point to a date in their Bible. Okay. What are, what are they pointing to? Something they, something they did. 
Now, you can point to a date in your Bible and be absolutely genuinely uh, converted. Or they'll say, well, I prayed. Or they'll say, I get this a lot today. I just believe. (laughs) They're believing in their own belief. But they're not believing in the Lord. Does everybody see the difference with that? And so salvation is not a result of works so that, this is why God did it this way, so that no one may boast, Ephesians 2.9. And then we know the passage in James when we have the man, he's going to go and he's going to do business and he's going to do this and he's going to make a gain. And James calls that type of speech evil. Why is it evil? Because his mindset, his attitude of spirit is not if the Lord will. So everybody, everybody hear that? If our attitude is not if the Lord will, when we're should we make plans? Yes. Yes. Right? Mind a man plans his ways, the Lord directs his steps. But if we're planning our ways, and what we're doing is saying, I'm going to do this. If I have to move heaven and earth, this is what's happening. That's evil. Where's that coming from? Pride. They think that they can control providence in their life. And I've told you this before. I I attended a session um, on time management. And it was happens to be it happened to be a special session just for preachers. I don't think I would have done this if there were lost people, uh, professing lost people there. But it was just for preachers, and it was a time management class. <clears throat> and after they got through talking about how you need to control your time, and you got to block these hours out, and you got to have this without distraction, and you just plan out your whole day, boop 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 boop. You plan out your week on what you're going to do, and then you just do it. And at the end of it. They ask for questions. <laughs> I raised my hand. Remember, we were among preachers. And I said, well, what if the providence of your day doesn't happen that way? Do you know what the answer was? Silence. Because <laughs> what am I saying? If I Should we plan our day? Yes. But if my attitude isn't, if the Lord will, then when we get that providential interruption, and I've been there, we're going to be ticked off. And guess who you're ticked off at? The Lord. Everybody following me? Okay. That type of control comes from pride. When we talk about believers, and by the way, that's James 4.16. When we're talking about believers, believers, it's interesting what the New Testament has to say about this. It says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 3 and verse 11 that believers boast in hope of the glory of God. And we boast in the sphere of our tribulations. What are we boasting? Are we excited about the tribulations? No, no chastening for the moment is joyous. What are we boasting in? We're boasting in God, knowing that tribulation brings 
patience, right? That's what we're boasting in. We know, even though we don't like the process perhaps, we know that if we let that work, it's perfect work. James chapter 1. That we're going to grow in the grace and knowledge. We're going to be conformed into His image. And that's worth boasting in. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. We talk about one day we're going to be with Him fully conformed into His image because of His work. That's a boasting or an exaltation. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 8, verse 13, 15, and 16 that we're not to boast in other men's achievements, but only boast in what God has accomplished through us. Now, if you know anything about the business world, you'll know that men and women will steal an idea or steal an accomplishment from someone else at the drop of a hat. And then they'll boast as if they did it. And folks, that can happen to believers. Paul's context was missionary labors. It'd be like me coming in to our church and giving zero acknowledgement to the work of Dr. Lepresti and Dr. Tinetti and the pastors that have gone on before me. That would be absolutely foolish. And not doing that would be an evidence of what in my life? Pride in my life. Everybody, everybody see what I'm saying? And folks, when you take a job, someone else has been in that position before you more than likely. If you take a job, someone else has done all the pre-work to kind of organize the structure of it and delineate the job description. Others have gone before us and others will come after us. Paul says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14 that for a believer, the centrality of our boasting is in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And you'll remember he starts out by saying, God forbid that I should boast. Do you hear what he's saying? God forbid that we should boast in anything but the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That kind of sums it up, doesn't it? In James chapter 1 and verse 9, James writes that those believers who are not rich, as the world considers rich in this world, they're to boast in the Lord of their high position. Now usually poorer people boast on not having enough money. James says, no, you need to boast of your high position. And then in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3, I love this statement. Paul writes, the truly regenerate boast in Jesus Christ and put no confidence in the flesh. That kind of sums it up, doesn't it? Okay, No confidence in the flesh. Therefore, how much pride is allowed? None. How much boasting in Christ? Everything. Everything. So the Bible, the New Testament, has a lot to say about this, doesn't it? 
Now folks, there is a church in our Bible that really had problems with this. What church was that? The church at Corinth. We have two epistles in our New Testament from that for that church. I have, and there's others, I really need to comb through it and not just go through the verses where this particular word is used. But I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen references concerning the church at Corinth and their boasting. Now let me ask you a question. Was the church at Corinth a healthy church? Were they a divided church? Only by pride comes. And I love the way the King James translates this. He says, you are puffed up. <laughs> that's, that's really pictorial, isn't it? When you think about a puffer fish and they're just normal, and all of a sudden, you are puffed up. How many problems need to be solved in that church? One? Well, if I remember correctly, there's probably 10 or 11. So folks, what does walking in pride do to a congregation? Build it up? No, it tears it down. And Paul tells that church, he's not, he doesn't tell them they're walking in the flesh. That means that they would be lost. He said you're walking after the flesh. This is the way you're thinking and acting. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's just finish this little series by reading through here. And again, my point is just to put this before us because it is a thing that's not preached. It is a thing, and I'm including myself, that I really don't think about a whole lot. And I think if you really think about it, all the, <clears throat> all the works of the flesh flow out of this because, why would I say that? <clears throat> Because that was the bottom line sin of what angel? Lucifer. I will. Do you hear that? I will. I will. Five times. And he still is determined to do that, isn't he? So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, when he talks about God choosing the foolish things of the world and choosing the weak things of the world and choosing, verse 28, the base things of the world and choosing the despised of the world, the things that are not, so that He, that is God, might nullify the things that are. Why does He do that? Why does He pick those types of people, verse 29? so that no man may boast before God. Everybody see that? If I could word it this way, 
God, God's not going to save, I'm just going to use the word many. God's not going to save many out of Hollywood. He's not going to save many NBA basketball stars. He's not going to save many baseball players. He's not going to save many highfalutin politicians. Why? Why? Because they would they would boast. And he says in verse 31 of 1 Corinthians 31, he says, so that Christ became to us the wisdom of God so that just as it is written, then he quotes Jeremiah 9, that let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Now brethren, do you not see how God is working? God is deliberately sidestepping the things the world considers very highly to reach the nobodies, the poor, the despised, the weak, people like you and me. Why? So that we would be trophies of His grace and that we would give all praise and glory to who? To Him. That's it. He designed it this way. It was the world that flipped it over. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 21, he talks about the Lord will actually catch, verse 19, the wise in their own craftiness. The Lord will use the craftiness of evil men to become their own snare. And he says again, verse 21, let no one boast in who? In men. He's the one, the Lord will catch the wise in their own craftiness, verse 20, and the Lord knows how these wise, crafty people are thinking and He knows that their thoughts are empty, vain, useless. And if that's the case, then who should we we boast in men? Folks, why would you boast in a man who the Lord says his thoughts are empty? You wouldn't, would you? Why would you boast in a man and glorify a man when you know he's going to fall into the trap of his own craftiness? You wouldn't do that. That'd be foolish. So let no man boast in men. Let that man boast in the Lord. Look at chapter 4. When he talks to this church who consider themselves superior to other churches. Do, Do churches ever get that way? Do congregations ever say, I'm better than other churches? Of course. He says, verse 7, For who regards you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? Let's answer that question. Your intellect, where did that come from? Did you develop that from nothing? 
No. The material things you have, where did that come from? The job you have, the position you have, the influence you have. Where did all that come from? It came from God. Who gave you breath? He's given us everything, hasn't He? Okay, well, if you received everything, why do you boast as if you didn't? I'll tell you why we boast as if we didn't. Because we're, we got this sinful nature in our flesh that is prideful. And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? And so folks, it's very, very dangerous for us to ever get to the place where we think we're doing it. And you know, I think it's Deuteronomy... I think it's 8. Where God tells that nation, I'm going to make you wealthy. But don't you say that I got wealthy by the power of my own hand. If you say that, I'll destroy you. Where does that put our nation? Who used to at Thanksgiving give thanks to God for what He has given to our nation. And now it's just a family day. Folks, we need to be careful. And brethren, if one day our church gets bigger, more disciples are attending it, more ministries are able to go on here, more influence perhaps in the neighborhood and those around, don't you say that it's the power of your program or the power of your personality or the power of a certain style of preaching. It's God who would do that. You ought to say amen to that. Because that's exactly the truth. Many churches have fallen just because they have violated that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm not even looking at 2 Corinthians 1 where Paul talks about this again, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 12, Paul says, We're not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud or to be boast of us, so that you will have an answer, now note this, to those who take pride in appearance and not in what? Folks, the wisdom of Proverbs says, guard your heart. Because out of it are the issues of what? But we like, we like to put on the appearance. The appearance of spirituality. When our hearts are in danger. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, In verse 17, as I mentioned, he's talking about not to boast in another man's labors. And he gives the reason, verse 17, but he who boasts is to boast in the Lord. And again, he's quoting from Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 24. In 2 Corinthians 11, let's just look at three, four of these, verse 12, he says, what I'm doing, you remember Paul says, I, you, you 
you force me to do this, I'm going to boast with human boasting. But he says in verse 12, what I am doing, I will continue to do so that I can cut off opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the manner about which they are boasting. They were boasting that they were apostles. But it was all appearance. They were not apostles at all. In chapter 11, verse 18, he says, Since many boast according to the flesh, I will boast also. And so, brethren, if you want to know what boasting according to the flesh looks like in a scriptural manner, you can just follow those verses right down through there. When a person boasts of spiritual successes, of supposed spiritual visions, spiritual revelations, all that is fleshly boasting. And folks, it is interesting that if the situation at Corinth had not necessitated this, remember this is inspired by God, we would have never known that Paul went to the third heaven. Would you? You wouldn't know it at all. He doesn't what? He doesn't talk about it. You and I would probably talk about it. He doesn't talk about it. In chapter 11 and verse 30, he says, but if I do have to boast, I will not boast of my strengths. I boast of my what? Weaknesses. Now is that not the exact opposite from the world? Why does Paul boast in his weakness? Well, he's going to tell us. In chapter 12, look down here at verse 9. He has this thorn in the flesh to keep him from exalting himself. In verse 9, the Lord said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in human strength. Is that what that says? Weakness. You ever prayed for the power of God? You ever wonder why you've kind of done this instead of that? It's because He's answering your prayer. Folks, He has to make us weak. Why? To keep us from exalting ourselves so that His power can rest on us. He makes us weak. It's not you making yourself weak. He makes you weak. And so he says again, verse 9, Paul concludes, he says, all right, if that's what the Lord said to me, this is what I concluded. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, this, this is, I'm going to read it, and I'm going to tell you I struggle with this. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses. Is that a struggle? 
We want the weaknesses gone. We want to ride above the weakness. The Lord might leave it there. Why? Because you and I have a problem called pride. And that would be His goodness to us. Therefore I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. Now all this is for whose sake? Christ. Why, Paul? Because when I am weak, I am strong. And folks, that's why as I started off this series, I started off with this, that God's ways can cause great frustration to us because we don't understand how He works. He will not allow your pride to grow. We will have pride and we will have to contend with this until the day we see Him. But He's not going to bless you with something that is going to increase your pride. And many times when He does want to give you that something that you've asked for, and it's a good thing, in order to receive it, you might have a providence happen in your life that you don't like. Like a thorn in the flesh. Why? So that He can give you that thing and you won't exalt yourself. Everybody, everybody see that? It took me years to come to understand this. And I do confess to you and to the Lord that I understand it way better than I live it. This is the way of our Lord. And that's the way the Lord earned our salvation. Nothing more weak than dying on a cross unjustly. Was He weak? But the power of God was in Jesus Christ to accomplish our salvation. So let's go to Him.